As Pastor Bart has been declaring over the last several weeks, as we've thought about the chains of unforgiveness in our life, when we, when we choose to, to, to not forgive people, what happens to the believer is this. A chain is built around you, and that chain continues to just weigh you down until you can no longer run with freedom the race that God has given you to run. And what we're going to be declaring over these next several weeks is just how we are free and what we are free from. But I am so thankful that what the message of that last song is purely the message of Scripture this morning that we're going to get into, that Christ is with us. Amen? His presence is with us, and that makes all the difference in the world. It gives us power over microphones. By the way, you guys know my extreme hatred of microphones, right? Last night I did a family wedding, and the microphone worked great until we started the wedding, and it went down. I went, Lord, really? My hatred for microphones. I have no fear of man. I have a great fear of microphones, okay? So this is a new microphone, and we're, we're trying to, to, to get it uh, worked out as we go along. But, but the truth of, of this message is this. Christ is with us. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Let me say that one more time. Let's make sure we got it. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now listen, I know as believers, we don't always feel that way. That's not always the reality of how we feel. But the reality of how we feel is not the reality always of what God has already declared, right? When we look at the chaos of our culture right now, Some of us get really scared, really worried. Uh, Everything's going on. We don't know what to do. We kind of have the the sense of of just that we don't know where to run to, where to go to. But, But God has already declared that his presence over us gives us freedom. The end of the book has already been written. Amen? We know who wins. All of humanity and everything that we do is just a crescendo up into getting us prepared for Jesus Christ being declared supreme and Lord as we know that he is. And every believer will bow. And every non-believer also will bow. And every culture and every issue and everything bows before the presence of Jesus Christ. And we know that that is the truth of what is going to come. We simply need to rest in it. I want you to listen to these, these passages. John eight thirty two says this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. The truth sets you free, will set you free. Now, what our culture thinks is little t truth is not really truth. The capital T truth is Jesus Christ and his presence in us as the bride of Christ, the body of believers. As Jesus is present with us and with us, this is the truth. Listen to verse 34. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We've got to make a choice today. We've got to make a choice of whether we're going to be the body of Christ who is called again back into slavery or are we going to be free as God has already declared us to be. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You see, if the Son sets you free, if the Son is the one who sets you free in this life, you and I are truly free, and we are free indeed. 
You see, the declaration that Jesus makes over us as we begin this message, as we begin to take, today we're going to talk about the fear of others. As I have talked to you before about my own particular experience in my life, is I had a great fear and have always had a fear and a desire to be approved of by others. It's what I've often called to do the dance to get the hug. Going back to my early childhood, my mother would always say that I would have a little guitar and I would sing around the campfire, not knowing what I was doing, and doing all the dance in order to get the hug. And as a child, that grew into an adulthood to to always wanting to please others. And the basis of that is what we call the fear of man, always wanting people's approval. We're going to begin to look at that and look at several other things that begin to hold us bound, that keep us from the freedom that Jesus Christ wants us to experience in Him. But as we do that, this declaration is made over us. 2 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Can you see our culture right now? There is a veil over our culture that it thinks that it is hiding from the real truth. But the veil, when we accept Christ, the veil is removed. And listen to what is said, this same declaration that we made in this song. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And then it says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where is the Spirit of the Lord? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, He is in you. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, that is a declared territory, that that territory, wherever the Spirit is, is free. Now, the realization for us is to allow our bodies and our minds to realize the freedom that they've already been declared free and to realize that freedom. That's what we need to begin to walk in and begin to understand. And as we talked about, as Pastor Bart led us into understanding forgiveness, that forgiveness begins to to release us from some of these chains of unforgiveness. Now we're going to look at the fear of others and how that can tend to hold us bound. But the truth of all of this is that wherever Christ is present, there is freedom. And that's where we begin this morning. And it's this. Some of you today, as we sing about it, as we declare it, as we talk about it, what Scripture says very plainly, you would say to me today, I don't experience that freedom. But the truth is, wherever God's Spirit is, there is that freedom. So what the truth may be for you is that you don't have that relationship yet. You're not yet that son or daughter of the king. You're still living in that place of slavery to your own sin. Listen, we're all sinful. We're all broken. We're all screwed up. Remember, EVC is the church of the screwed up, okay? That's who we are. That's who we were, okay? Let's say, let's say that's who we were, but that's not who we are because we are present in Christ. So this is a little of an odd place to do this. But if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord, and you don't have that sense of freedom, you don't have that sense of release, then I want to offer that to you right now. Now, We're not going to wait till the end of a message. I want to say to you today, if you would like Christ to be the Savior and Lord of your life and experience that freedom, it's available to you and I right now. Amen? Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Maybe that's you, and you just say, look, Randy, you don't know all the issues of my life. I don't have to. I know the issues of my life. And I I know that I stand in his freedom today because of what he's done. If that's you, and you would like that freedom today, simply inviting and asking Christ to come in. Listen, it's not a prayer that saves you. That's not. It is the attitude of your heart, the understanding that you have, that you can't do this on your own, and to invite Christ to come in. 
you can pray a prayer that would go something like this that just would declare that in your life. Dear Jesus, I can't make this on my own, but I want your freedom today. I want to experience you. I want to hand over the keys of my life to you. I want to make you the boss of my life. Father, would you just, would your spirit, Holy Spirit, would you just move among us today to accomplish what you want to accomplish in us? Lord, for those that are that are struggling with that, for those that are making that commitment even now, God, I pray that you would just release them from that bondage of sin that we all have experienced to understand your presence brings freedom. Jesus, would you release us to be the people you've called us to be today in Jesus' name. You know, that freedom that we experience. Maybe you're a Christian today, and you've never experienced that that true freedom. Listen, it's just a point of letting your body and your mind come to a place of understanding of what the truth that God has declared already over you and realizing that. So we want to take steps into that. But the second thing I want us to look at today with this process is why has Christ set us free. That's always good for us to understand, right? It's not just that we are free, but what is the purpose for why Christ has set us free? There is a purpose. And that purpose and the reason why Christ has set us free is just not that we could look at the world and go, ha, 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 I'm free and you're not. That's not the reason that God has set us free. The reason that Christ has set us free is that he would receive more glory from our lives. Now you go, wait a second. The whole reason that I've been set free is that Jesus Christ would receive more glory. That's the reason. Well, understand this. God cannot give glory to anything else. If God, who created everything and is everything, were to give glory to something else that he created, we would call that idolatry. Because that's rising up, that's raising up anything uh, uh, before God himself who created all things. So it is not selfish for God to receive more and more glory to himself. But the reason that you and I have been set free is that God might be more glorified and more magnified on the scope of history and eternity and through our individual lives. So Christ has set us free to receive more glory to himself. But then we have to ask a second question. How does Christ receive more glory to himself through us? At least two ways. There's multiple ways, and God's Word declares what that is. But two ways. Two ways. The first one is obedience. That we would obey what His Word says about us and about what we are to do. That we would be obedient. But a second way that Christ is magnified and glorified in our life is through His creation, the pinnacle of His creation, humanity would come to be restored in right relationship as He intended us to be. That brings more and more glory to Jesus Christ. Amen? And at this point in this... Wait a second. That brings more and more glory to Jesus Christ. Amen? I just need to make sure that you people are out there so that we can understand what's, what's happening here. So to illustrate that, I want to show you as EVC, where we are in our process of this whole moving process to a new piece of property and all these things and what God is doing sometimes uh, with us and sometimes in spite of us. I just want to give you some updates because, quite honestly, we finally have some updates to give you. We have been in this process, and trust me, there has been tons of things that have been going on behind the scenes, but it's kind of been this 
uh, all these preliminary things and working with architects and working with the city and working with civil engineers and all these different things. And we're going, we want to tell more and more. We want to tell EVC what's happening. And this is a great place for us to do it. Why? Because it helps us to understand how we as a church, as the body of Christ here locally, as, as, e- as Eagles View Church, we are bringing more and more glory to Jesus Christ. Just a couple of weeks ago at Camp Dad, as we had our baptism lake experience uh, over at Eagle Mountain Lake, we had 16 folks who followed Christ in baptism, giving their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. Is that not awesome? All right, you can clap for that. On that night, um, we saw dads baptizing kids. We saw moms baptizing kids. We saw husbands baptizing wives. It was just a phenomenal experience and expression of what God is doing. You see, EVC, we're continuing to grow numerically. Now, it's not about numbers, but each one of those people who are baptized is a whole life and a legacy that's been changed for eternity, and that is no small thing. We've got others who are ready, who are waiting to be baptized, to follow Christ in that step of obedience after giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. This past week, we received our design development set of plans for the new building, okay? And that is a huge step. So give God a hand about that as well. We are so thrilled. We've been waiting to share with you. They're working on the construction documents next. What that means is that in September, they'll file this before the city. So you need to be praying for the city leaders and that this does not grind to a halt but continues to go even faster. So pray over city council people who will see these plans and go, stamp of approval, yes, go forward, EVC. We need to be praying for that. And here's what will happen as the next step is in October we'll break ground and 8 to 12 months from then we'll have that new building. Are you guys excited about that? We are excited. EVC, we are not a building. Whether it's this building that God has blessed us with or the next building, that is not the church. Who's the church? We are. We are the church, the body of Christ. You see this growth that we've experienced. I just want to share with you a few statistics to to illustrate what God is doing here at EBC. Last year, in 2014, our attendance grew 16%. Okay, now keep in mind, I've been at EBC for a little over close to five and a half years. Not once have we sent out a mailer to, to our population declaring where we are, and we are not easy necessarily to find, okay? But we've continued to grow. How have we grown? Because you invite people, and your changed life is the best advertisement that we will ever have in the history, both now and forever, at EVC. And that continues to happen. Last year, we grew by 16%. The tithes and offerings at EVC grew by 16% as well. That meant that 88000 additional dollars went into ministering to this community as a result of that obedience. Remember what we said? What brings glory to Jesus Christ? Obedience and people's lives being changed. $88,000 in an increase in money went to God's kingdom in a variety of ways. This next week is our VBS, a phenomenal chance of outreach to minister to children and families to see lives transform. And I want to encourage you, register your kids online. Register your neighbor's kids online. If you want to help volunteer, you can sign up in the back. You can see Pastor Dustin. But VBS is a huge thing. In two weeks, our next trip will be heading to Honduras to build more on the church that we've been working with, 
to build to also do a VBS in that community. That last year, if I remember, if you remember, we had 260 children from our village of La Fredera that showed up on the first night of VBS. And this year, they said they've grown all through the year. We have no tell. We do not know what to expect this year. All of Honduras may be converging upon Saba. <laughs> Honduras and La Perdera as we continue to minister and to work alongside another phenomenal church. As we do that same thing in Montreal, as we experience what God is doing. Jimmy Wilder keeps sending me pictures of what God is doing through him, building the buildings in Malawi that we just have been, we prayed and released him to go do. So we're just so excited to see this. In the first, so 16% growth last year, right? In the first five months of the fiscal year of this year, we've grown in additional 15% already, and our giving has increased by 25%. That's $63,000 just in the first five months over the same period last year. Now, in the wisdom of our business administrator, Karen, and our elders, and our financial group, as we've done, we didn't want to get to next year when we have this new building and we experience this brand new mortgage payment that we weren't expecting, okay? We didn't want to hit that. And Karen said, why don't we put it in the budget this year to be paying our mortgage payment already this year so that we know that we're ready. And in our level one at EVC, we do a level one and a level two. Level one is usually a faith experiment that we do that is at least uh, 7 to 10% uh, more over the previous year. Level two is even more than that. EVC, in 2014, we not only met our level one budget, but we met our level two budget. And this year, in 2015, we have exceeded our level two budget, even with paying our future mortgage payment. So this whole year, we have paid this mortgage payment that we're not even paying yet so that we are ready to take that step. Is that not incredible? This is what God is doing. I wanted to show you graphically, and the graph is, is sometimes a little bit hard to see, but here's what I just want you to see. The three lines that are all, go all the way to the end are previous years, and they go up every year, and that line at the top is where we've been this year and what God is doing. Now, why do I do this here? So that we can see what God is doing in freedom to take us to the next level. Here's the truth of everything. Why are we doing this series? Why have we done series talking about suffering in preparation for where we even are in our culture? Pastor Bart and I have just been talking about the fact God wants to get us ready. Why are we talking about freedom? Because we need to be free, not after we get to a new spot. We fully intend that God, or we fully expect that God is going to double us in just one year after we get out to this new property. Why? Because more people need freedom. It's not about being a bigger church, folks. It's about reaching more and more people who need the gospel. We are praying for not only our church, but for churches that will even take over this building. Folks, we have three congregations that have looked at our building that are very excited about the potential of God continuing kingdom work right here at EVC. Is that not exciting to see that we've already got three folks that are ready, that are interested in seeing what God wants to do through them? What I foresee is we're going to have an auction out here with multiple congregations going, okay, who wants this building most, right? Who wants this great parking lot that we have? Who wants all these things, right? See, this, is, this parking lot is an opportunity for God to do more through you. But wouldn't it be exciting to be able to work with another congregation to see what God wants to do here as well as he wants to do there? And that we work with other believing congregations around this. Folks, it's not about EVC. It's about the name of Jesus Christ being lifted up. 
in First Baptist Saginaw, in Saginaw United Methodist, in Marine Creek Church, in Fellowship Church. Down, we want God's church to grow and that Saginaw and northwest Tarrant County would be a place where God is seen in miraculous power. Is that not what we want? And that happens when we're obedient and it happens when we see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. So we're on track to go to the city for permit in September and the groundbreaking in October. Folks, this is what we need to be free. This is the why we need to be free. Now, your neighbors know no understanding of an October groundbreaking. Your neighbor needs to see you free because they need to see an example of Christ's presence in their life. They need to see what he's doing in you and in me. They need to see him working through your marriage, working through your singleness. They need to see him working in your family. So we're living it out, EVC, magnifying God's glory, seeing more and more people come to him. Now, these next several weeks, we're going to talk about this sense of freedom from fear and from different things. We're going to talk about next week, we're going to talk about anxiety and depression. We're going to talk about freedom from the issues of our past. But today I want to focus in on the fear of others, the fear of other people and other things that are taking place. And so I want to share with you a particular passage and some, some things that, that happen as a result of this. As I've been reading different blogs and different things, as we think about what's happened over the past several weeks in our country, some of us see the Supreme Court decision, and we get all up in arms. We see panic happening. We see people writing about panic, that we as the church, we need to, to panic and be fearful. And, folks, here's the truth. We don't need to fear others. We, need to fear, we don't need to fear anything because the reason that we started this message with the understanding that Christ's presence gives us freedom from all fear is this. We don't have to look at Supreme Court decisions or issues of, of debate in this country about moral things. We need to trust that Christ is who he says he is. Amen? And as I've read this fear and panic and, and what the church should do and why we should be fearful, what I believe it is is a wake-up call to the church. It's a wake-up call to the church, the bride of Christ. But it may not be the same wake-up call that you think it is, but I, I want you to see this up on the screen. It, it's not a wake-up call to fear and panic. Instead, it's a wake-up call to quit trusting in the policies, politicians, and public, but instead trust the truth of the all-sufficient nature of the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen? I want to repeat that so that you really get this settled in in your own heart. I want this to really resonate over who you are. You don't have to be fearful and panic. Listen, the, the end has already been written. This did not catch God by surprise. He knew all that this was going to happen. And you see, it just sets the stage for what God wants to do next. We need to stop trusting in the policies, the politicians, and the public. You can look at all the polls. Don't trust the polls. The polls are just telling what the public thinks. And what we know, the Bible says, whatever the public thinks is what? Wrong. Wherever the broad way goes, the broad way leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that we are on as believers. We need to trust instead the truth of the all-sufficient nature of the presence of Jesus Christ. Listen, He is sufficient for us. We do not need to fear. We need to stand. God just gave me this image as we prayed here on Saturday morning, a group of men, we, we pray every Saturday morning 
at uh, at six o'clock. We'd love to have you. Yes, God does. He is awake at six a.m. It is true. And some of you'd say, "I'm not awake at six a.m. I'll pray at six p.m." Well, you you start a prayer group at six p.m. That's great. But as we were praying this week, just God just gave me this this vision of this that all the uh, the moral left is picketing on one side, and the moral right is picketing in fear and panic on the on the other side. And here's what I saw. We're to be in the middle with a message that says, we love all of you. That's what God has called us to. Not to fear and panic, but to trust that he is solely sufficient for us. Now, there's a passage of scripture that I want us to go to in Psalm 118. As Pastor Barton and I were, were preparing this, and preparing this message series as we were thinking about this, God just led me to this passage in my, uh, my daily reading. As I was thinking about this, I just want to share, with this, share this with you. But I am fascinated with World War II. Anybody else out there just fascinated with, with all of World War II? I've loved going to Hawaii. I've loved gone to, going to Pearl Harbor. Uh, before I went to Hawaii for the first time, my flight was at 5 a.m. At 2 a.m., I was watching Torah, 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 okay? Because I wanted to feel the, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to stand there and feel the airplanes coming over. But I'll never forget this quote that is attributed to Admiral Yamamoto of the Japanese fleet, where after Pearl Harbor, he said this, I fear that all we have done is awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with a terrible resolve. This is the message for the church. That Satan and the culture would say, I fear that we have awakened a sleeping, praying, loving giant, and we have only filled them with resolve of the truth that they have in them, the presence of Jesus Christ. Listen to Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now that steadfast love, the Hebrew word is chesed. Okay, say that with me. Chesed. If you did not spit on the person in front of you, you are not saying it correctly. Okay? It's chesed. And chesed, what chesed means is it's this all-pursuing steadfast love. The NIV translates it loving kindness. That's the reason I didn't read it out of the NIV. This is the ESV, and it says, the English Standard Version says, steadfast love. And I love that translation of it. What that means is this, that God is an all-pursuing God, and that His steadfast love pursues us. There was a very popular movement that many churches were, have been a part of called the seeker movement, that we're the seeker church. In other words, we're reaching out to people who are seeking God. Well, we are not the seeker church. We're the sought church. We are sought by a loving God who continually pursues us. And this is the image of Hesed type of love. It's us reaching up to God with our hands open wide. And Him, what we find is that when we release Him, fearing that we are going to fall, we find that His arms are so solidly around us as He pursues us. That is a steadfast love that we hold on to him and that he, we find he's been holding on to us so much stronger. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. And then here's where EVC gets to chime in, all right, in all of time. Let those who fear the Lord say what? His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called to the Lord and the Lord answered me and he did what? Set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? 
I do not have to fear the war. I do not have to fear the storm. I do not have to fear the opinion pollsters. I do not have to fear who wins the next election. I do not have to fear whether the Constitution is upheld or not upheld. I do not have to fear mankind, womankind, people's sense of approval. I don't have to fear any of those things. What can man do to me? That's the declaration that God wants us to have. Now, I know as believers, we don't always feel that. But we've got to continually remind each other of that until our mind figures out that it is true. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes we don't always feel that God's in control. But it's only not because of Him, but it's because of our lack of trust in what He's declared over us. The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look at tri- in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Amen? It's better to take refuge in God than to trust in men. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes, in kings, in presidents, senators, representatives, or even stock markets. It's better to trust in God. Then we have, we have to ask this question. What does the fear of man actually look like? What does the fear of man really look like? Now, for some of us, it looks like, as I kind of talked about with me, it is kind of this desire to always get people's approval. For others, it is you're in such fear that you don't want to take a step of risk out in front of others. For others, it is a sense of such over-control because you don't want to trust anyone with anything, so you have to do it all yourself. All of these are exhibiting factors of a fear of humanity or a fear of others. So what does this kind of look like? Well, we just got back from our vacation just a, a week or so ago, and we went to Tahoe. We went to Tahoe, California. In going to Tahoe, California, I wanted to see a bear, all right? I wanted to place my eyes upon one of these California bears. And one of the things that we do, uh, that we've done on our last couple of, of vacations is because the girl, uh, the girls are, were getting close to, to being seniors. Kara was a senior a couple of years ago. We did her senior pictures when we went on a trip. On um, this year, uh, Allison is going to be a senior this year, and so we did her senior pictures actually in Tahoe. And so as we were taking some of these pictures, they sent me back for one of Allison's change of clothes. That's what dads get to do is go get the changing of clothes. Okay, so I'm heading back to the car, and what do you think I saw? Yes, I saw a bear. It was from here to the back wall. I saw this bear. Now, if you see a bear from here to the back wall, what's your first tendency to do? Probably run the other way. Not me, man. I am running towards the bear. I'm going, there's a bear. It's the bear that we wanted to see. I even go and get Jennifer and the girls, and I say, you guys got to come over here. There's a bear. And we're running to see the bear. And what does the bear do? Well, he's running from us, okay? <laughs> the bear is, is scared. And we have one of those. We have a picture because I'm not thinking about taking a picture. That's not my first thought because I saw a bear in California. My first... First thought is to get them involved and to see it, and then I'm getting my camera. So we have one of those grainy pictures that it looks a little bit like Bigfoot, but I can show you where the bear is. You will never believe it's a bear. John Avanchan will say, that's no bear. Randy, you're crazy. That, that, that. But it was. It was a bear, and I was so excited. But our first tendency was to run towards it. And the, the photographer said, well, that's an adolescent bear. 
Well, we all know if an adolescent bear is there, what's up? What's around the corner? Mama bear is somewhere around there. But we weren't scared. So I had no fear of this situation because I so wanted to see it. Well, a week after I got home from vacation, I heard this horrible noise outside of our house. And I'm looking through the blinds. It's about 1130 at night. I can't see what's going on out there. It's a horrible sound. It sounds like something's in and around our trash cans, but I can't see a thing. And then it stops. So I go back to bed. I get up the next morning and it's the day that I'm supposed to take out trash. And so I go and I go to get the trash can. And there is a possum in my trash can going. (laughs) Okay, let me give you that one, that picture one. That's what he looks like, okay? Now, this is a man that a week and a half earlier ran towards a bear. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I am scared to death of this little bitty possum who's going, all right? Now, his eyes are totally black. He can't see in the daylight. I mean, he has no understanding of what's happened. How can I, a person who's so excited to see a bear run towards it and be so afraid of an animal that I'm multiple times bigger than, because I weigh, I'm six foot three, weigh 200 pounds. And so I'm so much bigger than this possum. So I get this yard rake, okay? And it's a six foot rake. And so I hook it to the trash can and I'm trying to push the trash can over so that this thing can go free because I don't want to kill it. It's one of God's creatures, you understand. So I finally get it tipped over and it comes out. And I mean, it is like, number one, there was a, there was a bag of dog poop that I'd picked up that was in the, he, he, he smelled pretty bad at that particular point in time. He's been in this all night long. Jennifer said his wife's going to be really mad. He didn't bring home food and he smells like dog poop. I mean, that is really, that is bad for a possum, you know, but I, why am I so scared of a little bitty possum when I'm as big as I am and yet I'm not scared of a, of a bear? Because see, my perspective was totally different. I knew the truth that I'm much bigger, but it didn't make a difference to my heart. And so when we have this fear of others, we can have the truth that Jesus Christ is declared over us and we are His children and the end of the battle has already been won and we can know all these things, but we still struggle with these issues of the truth that He has set us free. What does the fear of man look like? I I want to give you just a few of these what I call diagnostic questions. There's a great book that if you wanted to explore this a little bit more, this is a book by a man named Ed Welch, and it's called this, When People Are Big and God is Small. What a great title. Because in our lives, if you're a people pleaser, if you are a person of fear, you have a particular fear that holds you bound, you are a control freak, what it really means is this. We think people are big and that our God is small. And that's a wrong declaration. Listen to these diagnostic questions that comes from this book just to help us understand what, what does the fear of man actually look like? Do you need something from others to the point that you become so dependent upon them? Do you expect a lot from people? Do you crave compliments? Do you ever fish for a compliment, maybe even saying something derogatory about yourself in the hopes that someone might correct you? All right? I've done that, and no one corrected me. And then I was going, oh, great, thanks. (laughs) Thought I'd bring this up and then uh, make this declaration. It doesn't really work. Okay, now I feel great about myself. Are you, stop stop laughing, Craig Backus. I hear you. You're one of the people I would hope would correct it, and you didn't. So there you go. Are you ever afraid that you might be exposed as an imposter? Do you spend your whole life managing your reputation and managing people's impressions of you? 
and you're just afraid that someone's going to expose you, the mask is going to get lifted and people are going to see you for what you're really like. So you're just doing your best to manage your reputation and manage other people's impressions of you. And you feel afraid that you might be exposed. That's the fear of men. Are you overly concerned with how you look, how much you weigh, or how you're dressed? Spend a lot of time in the mirror, oftentimes criticizing what it is that God has made, wishing he had made you quite a bit different. Do you need people to supply you with what you feel lacking in your own self-esteem or worth? Do you feel underappreciated? You say things like, I do all these things and yet no one ever really notices. There are no wives in the room that's ever said that, I'm sure, or husbands. Not only do you need people to notice you, but you need people to applaud, affirm, or cheer you on. Or as my sweet wife has told, said of me, Randy, you always seem to want the band to play when these things happen for you. And the band doesn't ever seem to play. Do you make excuses for your mistakes and justify your bad behavior or shift blame because you can't handle the thought of failing before people? When, you, when people confront you on something, the thought of losing face is so much difficult, you just simply can't bear it. So you make excuses. You shift blame and try to wriggle out of responsibility. You can't deal with failing people. Do you show favoritism? Do you show favoritism to people who might be a little above you on the social, economic, or work ladder and neglect those and do not show compassion or care for those that might be below you on the ladder? Are you so overcommitted and you will not say no to anyone because of your inability to say no because you're afraid if you do say no, they won't ask you to the table the next time? You're so fearful to say no to that promotion that if you say no to this one, they'll never ask you for another. And so we have such incredible fear of people around us. Do you easily get embarrassed? Do you get nervous in groups when you have to stand before them? Now, we can easily accredit this to our personality or take a vice and clothe it in virtue and say, well, I'm just modest, so I don't like being in front of people, when in reality... You cower under the gaze of others because you fear their rejection. Do you compare yourself to others to feel good about yourself? And when you win or you feel envy when you lose. I got to be honest that when I watch sports, this is what happens to me. When my team doesn't win, I tend to ridicule others. You know, those stinking, lousy longhorns. If we lose, we just feel this great, sense of failure, and so we demoralize the opponent. I got to be honest, when the Supreme Court decision came down, I was a little bit just ticked off that my side lost. And we tend to demoralize others as a result of that. That's not Jesus Christ. What does he want us to do? We don't have to fear others in this. This is what the fear of man begins to look like. And again, the book is... uh, when God's or when people seem big and when God seems small, it's a man named Ed Welch. What's the solution to this? The solution is where we began this message, is understanding the reality of who Christ has said we are. Understanding the reality of who Jesus Christ is in us. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says this, 
Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting in the Lord means safety. Another version describes that as fearing people is a snare. It's under the leaves. You don't know it's there. But when you fear people, you get into a place where once it snaps closed, the damage is already done. We don't have to fear people. Why? Because the declaration is true. Trusting the Lord means safety. Trust the only one who is truly trustworthy. I'll never forget this passage of Scripture, Psalm 27, verse 1, that I read every, every time I, I, I played a basketball game in my, when I was in high school, every time that I would get, be fearful to speak in front of others because I so wanted uh, them to approve of me, Every time that I did something that I needed to, had a big test or a big grade, I read this passage. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's the truth. The way that we deal with our own sense of approval of others and to, to move beyond that, even John Piper you may know John Piper is a phenomenal pastor in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And John Piper is incredibly afraid to speak to audiences, yet he's done it his whole life. And he, he read this passage before messages. Why? Why am I afraid of mankind? Why am I afraid of people's approval of me? Because God's on my side. My brain just has to remind my heart about it. My heart has to often remind my brain about it, that it is true. It is the truth of this. Because here's the bottom line. When we live for the glory of God, the focus is no longer about ourselves. The focus is on God. And when we are no longer afraid of people, we are free to truly love them the way that God intended us to, rather than to always seek their approval. Amen? What we're going to do this morning is we're going to finish today with that same declaration that we began. We are going to, do, to sing the truth of what God has for us in hopes that our hearts will remember it as we go through this week, that we do not fear the approval of men. We're going to sing that song that we sang, Make Me Glad. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for worship, that we can declare these things, that we can experience your truth and declare them back before you, what you've already declared over us. And God, I pray that those who are struggling with this sense of approval, this sense of control, this sense of never making, risking, uh, never risking to see what you want to do because they're so afraid of what others think. God, may you fear us from that. And may you give us freedom because, Lord... The truth of this today is that you have made us glad because you live in us. We declare it today in Jesus' name. Amen.